All right, I'm John Jerko, and this is Odyssey and News, a podcast where we explore the connection between adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. We'll dig into the big questions like how to overcome fears, how to plan and execute a project, and how to discover the things that drive you, finding your true north. In this episode, I'll be talking to friend Liam Garrison. He's a student at the University of Oxford in England, a filmmaker, and an adventure junkie. In the last few years, Liam's hitchhiked across Eastern Europe, cycled through the Alps, climbed in Morocco, and most recently cycled from Vancouver, Canada to Ensenada, Mexico, making stops in Washington to climb mountains with a friend. We both met on the road this last summer, and he's here to talk about his journeys. So welcome to the show, Liam. How you doing? Good. Hey, John. So uh, how's it going over there? You're over in England right now. I'm in the States. What's the weather yes. like there? <laughs> it's pretty cold. Uh, it was minus seven the other day. Ooh, the river was like cold. freezing up. Um, yeah, it's pretty cold because I'm training for a marathon at the moment. So that's I saw that getting, getting me outside every day doing stuff. You know, have, have you done a marathon good. before? Are you a runner? Uh, I've never done a marathon before. I've run like half marathons. That's not just bad. you know casually, but nothing, nothing serious. No races, no big things. Cool. That'll be exciting. Definitely yeah. follow along. I need, I need to do a marathon one of these days. I yeah, feel like it's fun. like one of those bucket list things. <laughs> Got to check off. Yeah, I'm staring at my training schedule on the wall now, and uh, I'm, I'm highlighting it red if I've done it, and I'm highlighting it, highlighting it green if I haven't. Oh, no, other way around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty cool. Well. That's good to hear. So, yeah, we, we basically met on uh, this, this tour from Vancouver to Mexico. We, were both, we both basically started in the same place and ended in the same place, but totally separate tours, and we kind of yeah. met towards this, maybe like this last third of the trip. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked a little bit about Russ in his last episode about doing some bicycle touring, but you kind of you did something a little bit different. You did some climbing and and yeah, touring yeah, at the same time. So talk a little bit about how this whole idea came about and and the process of getting ready for it. Okay, so when I first got to Oxford University, I wanted to try mountaineering and climbing. So that's what I did. I joined the climbing club. And um, I went on loads of trips and whatever and got to a level where I could go, you know, abroad. I've been to Morocco, I've been to um, a few different places. So me and my friend, we were both into bike touring quite a lot. So we said to ourselves, you know, let's do a tour on bikes and climb some awesome mountains up in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. (laughs) So that's what we did. Um, We started in Squamish, BC, just north of Vancouver. There's these massive rock face called the the Chief, big yeah. granite. Yeah, yeah. When I was in Vancouver, everyone was like, "You need to go to Squamish," but I was like, "That's yeah, in yeah, the wrong the direction." <laughs> <laughs> now it's a really cool place to start. So we, um, yeah, so we started on our bikes, climbing there, cycled, and we ended up in Portland, where my friend flew back, and I continued all the way down south along the Pacific coast to Mexico. Now the the uh, the interesting thing about um, cycling and climbing is that you have to carry all your gear yeah. and climbing gear is not light at all yeah, and, and touring is usually heavy enough with all the yeah. gear and the food touring like four panniers already and then you've got like a, we had two ropes between us and we had a full trad climbing rack helmets harnesses shoes chalk even all our camping gear and backpacks and cooking gear did you guys you ever, name it we had it did you guys ever figure out how much your bikes weighed with all that gear I weighed it. I did a test ride before we left. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went out to my local, um, you know, forest or whatever. And I pr- 
practice wild camping. And I weighed my bike, I'd, I'd loaded up with water and food and everything to simulate, you know, what, we're, what we were going to have. Uh, I was there with, on the, with the kitchen scales. My mum was looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 51 kilos, so that's like, what, 100 and, 110 pounds? Wow. Including the bike. It was absolutely insane. I could barely get up hills. I was like, oh, we're never going to be able to do this. Yeah, but we so, did it. So what we were the it. mountains like? Because when I when I did the Pacific Coast tour, it was I think the highest climb I had was maybe like a thousand feet <laughs> at one at one time. So what what was yeah. kind of the biggest, the high end for you guys with all that gear? So we started at sea level, Squamish, and then as soon as we got down into Washington, we headed east across the North Cascades Highway, mm-hmm. and um, that just goes up and up and up and up and up. And we ended up getting up to 5,500 feet, which is pretty high. Um, not quite high enough to feel altitude sickness, but, you know, we were so, so wiped out by the end. It was, it was ridiculous. So when you guys got to camp, did you, did you take like a day's rest? Or it seems like, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to make those climbs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, that, so that, <laughs> that, that, that North Cascades Highway was the, the high point of the, uh, the trip. And mm-hmm. we had planned two days climbing up the top. Uh, there's a mountain called Liberty Bell Mountain up the top and we were planning this like really really hard route so like with aid climbing and you know pushing ourselves and we got to the top and we were like what are we doing why did we (laughs) why did we why did we think we could do this after cycling all this way so we did we did an easier route up the same mountain and then we took a day off um because it was just it was going to be ridiculous yeah Yeah, they're both endurance type sports so yeah exactly drain you we were planning like a 13 pitch climb and it was just um it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, um, and also at the same time they had the biggest wildfires Washington had seen. Oh, that's right. Um, the Carlton Complex fires, which um, had come in from the east, and we were at the top of the Cascades, and they were coming up the mountains, and all we could see was just smoke everywhere. The whole sky was just filled with smoke. Oh, was, wow. You could sort of feel it, like when you breathed in. It was kind of weird. That's a little scary. I actually yeah. had a kind of a close encounter with some fires when I was in Washington too, because. I remember hearing on the news and I was getting updates from back home that yeah. you know, there were a lot of fires in the area. And I remember just riding this one day straight towards this giant plume of smoke in the distance. And I'm like, yeah. uh, is this a forest fire? Yeah, and you're but, pretty vulnerable on the bike. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can, you can go a little bit fast. I guess you could drop the panniers, but um, <laughs> I just kept looking at the people. I'm like, no one looks scared like they're running away. And no. eventually when We've I got, got closer. Big, big SUVs. Yeah, I know. Eventually, when I got closer, I realized it was like a controlled burn or something. But yeah, it was, it's kind of creepy when you start it seeing that scary. smoke in the di- distance. Yeah. So um, you, you guys also, for this, this chunk of the, the trip you were on, you decided to do a film. How'd that idea come about? Have you always been interested in doing stuff like that? Yeah, I've always been interested in film. Um, and it's only recently where I've you know, gotten into it and like, done some films for myself. I did a little one of Morocco and a little one when I went hitchhiking. But mm-hmm. this one we decided to, you know, plan it out properly and then do like a proper edit of it. I don't have any experience with filmmaking. So this was this whole thing was really new to me. Uh, we took an uh, SLR and a GoPro and just basically filmed everything. And um, we ended up with so much footage. But it was really good experience because, you know, um, it ended up being a six-minute film. Uh-huh. And we named it Climbers on Wheels. So... I yeah, you can check that name. on your Vimeo page too, right? Yeah. We'll mention everything um, at the end where you, your links are and stuff. But Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good learning experience. And, um, yeah, it was cool making a film of the trip. So what, what were some of the challenges of doing a film on the road? Because I'm, I'm a filmmaker myself, and yeah. 
did some photography and stuff on this trip, but I kind of quickly decided when I did a test run that, you know, this is going to be way too much work to make a movie of it and try to enjoy this trip. So yeah. maybe, maybe so we can, can talk about some of the challenges because <laughs> it's, it's enough trying to ride 60 miles a day and uh, get some rest at night. But, you know, when you're trying to set up cameras and stuff, that seems like it's going to take up a lot of extra time. Yeah, you really have to, like, get fully into it and don't do it half-heartedly. Otherwise, it, uh, otherwise it just doesn't come out that well. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a compromise, I guess, between enjoying the trip fully um, and forgetting about, you know, having to do any filming and then getting completely immersed in the filming and then not enjoying the trip. So it's, it's definitely a balance. And I think we struck that balance pretty well. There was a couple of days that we just didn't film anything because, you know, as we got into the trip, there's only so many shots of, you know, you cycling by that you can have. There's only yeah. so many times that you can say, oh, we're about to climb this mountain. <laughs> we're about to do this. We're about to do, you know. So um, once we started getting all the shots that we needed, then it sort of eased up a bit, which was quite nice. How many um, of those shots were, did you feel were more candid and how many did you actually like have to think and set up, kind of put the director's hat on and set the so shots there up? There weren't that many that we, um, that we set up. There was a few scene setting shots, like we mounted a, the camera up on a sort of little perch, a little cliff and uh, filmed us cycling by. So we had a few of those, Yeah, that was but a cool you kind of need them to um, just to set the scene. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I guess it comes down to the question of, you know, real, is it real? Is it not real? Are you, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Are you doing the expedition just for the film? Yeah. And that, all that sort of thing. It's, um, it's an interesting discussion. I, I did enjoy the one part in the, the film where you're like, we climbed the wrong mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you got caught in the dark. Maybe oh, talk a little bit about what happened there. Oh yeah. So we were, we were a bit ambitious. We, this is in central Washington and the enchantments. And, uh, it was pretty, it was, a big undertaking we had taken all our climbing gear up and we had camping gear for two days up there um and we decided to do this peak called prusik peak which is amazing but then we had a really good idea of going to like descending and then going along the ridge and then uh climbing back up another mountain mm -hmm. although the, the the guidebooks that we had weren't like amazing so we ended up climbing the wrong mountain <laughs> which which <laughs> wasn't too fun because it wasn't very good climbing at all. Um, and we descended that. We had to bail off the mountain. There weren't any abseil points at the top. So we had to set up our own. We had to rig our own abseil out of spare cord that we had and abseil though 60 meters down the cliff. Can you, can you briefly talk, explain what that is? Abseil. Oh, yeah. So an abseil. So when you get to the top of a, a climb, you have to have some way of getting down. Um, a lot of times when people first do the routes, they put a little bolt or a ring at the top. Mm -hmm. that you feed your rope through feed half your rope through and then you have it sort of doubled up and then you can use a, a belay device um, yeah. to, to sort of rappel down the mountain and then when you get to the bottom you pull the one half of the rope through and the other half you know it all unravels but if there isn't any um, if there isn't a ring at the top you have to set up your own ring so this involved wrapping a piece of like cord around a big boulder and you know threading the rope through that so it was a bit yeah. dodgy but um <laughs> it was still we, we got down safely and uh then it started getting dark um and we were descending and it got steeper and steeper and darker and i had forgotten my head torch which was oh. a stupid idea um so we were using one head torch and the batteries were failing on that and we could barely we could barely see and we were tired and blah 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 anyway we finally um 
decided to spend the night in a cave that we found. Yeah. Which was quite interesting. This was up, you know, this wasn't low altitude. This is several thousand feet up. So it was pretty cold. Um, uh, we didn't really get much sleep that night. Um, <laughs> but when we, uh, when we woke up in the morning and looked down at what we were trying to descend, we were so glad that we had stopped because it, it, yeah. it, had just, it just sort of dropped off vertical, these big granite slabs. It was pretty scary. So it could have turned out pretty badly if you would have kept going. <laughs> yeah. So we, were, we, t- we did the sensible thing. Yeah. I was like, ah, I wish they had night vision or something because I feel like this is like, <laughs> yeah, this would be a great part of the movie to go into a little more. It's really scary. Yeah. And that's the thing. We, weren't, we didn't really, we didn't feel like filming at that time. And yeah. I kept saying, <laughs> you were just Matt, scared we for your lives. We've got to film this. We've got to film this. Yeah. Because it, it makes the best part of the, the film, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those but, are yeah. tough decisions. Maybe let's go into a little bit uh, about how you got this adventure bug because it seems like in the last few years you've done quite a few yeah. different types of trips. Where did this all start? Did you, is it running so, the family? Does any of your family do do any of this kind of stuff or did you just... Not just like climbing and cycling mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. But uh, my mom traveled a lot when she was younger. Uh, my dad traveled a lot when he was younger. Um, I guess it started when I was probably 14 or 15. I had had this dream to cycle around the world uh-huh um i read loads of books alistair humphrey's books and loads of these um adventurers that had gone off and done these really really cool things and i was like a young teenager and sort of inspired by them but the the only catch was that my parents wouldn't let me do it until i was 18 uh-huh <laughs> so as soon as i turned 18 i um finished school and that summer I went off traveling on my own. I did a bunch of stuff and um, yeah, I've done loads of stuff since then. So it's really s- since I sort of left school. I so, guess. so what what ideas did you present to your parents where they're like, no, you're not doing this until you're 18? <laughs> I guess I guess it was the way that I presented them. I was like, mom, do you mind if I like cycle, cycle around the world and not go to university or stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't very um, good at persuasion. Yeah. But that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's okay. So... What was this first trip in the summer? You is this the one where you went to Eastern Europe? Yeah. So I um when I finished school, I uh, decided to book a flight out to oh, where is it? Croatia to Dubrovnik, mm-hmm. and I booked a return flight to, from Budapest. And I set aside six weeks of my summer before I went to university, and said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to get from here to here. There's some pretty cool countries in between Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia. You know, places like that. Yeah. Let's just do it. So I did it. Um, and my favorite part of the trip was, was Bosnia, where I did some hitchhiking. Um, I met a guy called Chris Allen, and uh, he was an American guy who was a few years older than me. And uh, we decided to hitchhike around um, the sort of southeastern part of Bosnia. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, he was really cool. And he's out in the, in, U- in the east of Ukraine at the moment reporting on the... Ukraine conflict and he's got oh, wow. some amazing photos. So is he a journalist, journalist then? Yeah, so he's a journalist okay. now. So um, that's kind of cool. And the people you meet on these trips is just, that's what it's all about really. Let's let's talk a little bit about hitchhiking because I know in the US, um, I think most states, it's actually illegal to hitchhike or it's at least illegal to be like on the road with your thumb out. I don't know, you yeah. might be able to go up to people in the parking lot and you know, as long as the police don't catch you, no one's going to say anything. But there's definitely a big fear. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, if you hitchhike, you're going to you're going to basically gonna be, die. you know, they're going to kidnap you and murder you <laughs> and steal oh, all your money. I completely disagree. So, I, so, yeah, actually, talk when I was in Washington, experience. when I was in Washington mm-hmm. cycling, we'd, uh, we got to where we were going to climb and we had to like go up this massive track to get to the bottom of the climb. So we just like hitchhiked with our bikes. 
Uh-huh. I don't know if there was a little scene in the movie of it. Um, and we loaded both of our touring bikes filled with climbing gear into the back of this pickup truck with these two ladies. And <laughs> rode in the back of the pickup truck. We didn't even ride in the cab. And we, they took us like, 15 miles. And it was the first person that I'd uh, flagged down. So, oh, wow. Um, I don't know how it is in the US, but I've, that was my only experience in the US. Um, when I was in Bosnia, hitchhiking is really common there. The locals do it to get to work, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It's really, um, really no problem with so it. So it's much more a part of the cult- culture there then. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. Have you ever had um, any sketchy moments? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was in Bosnia. This is my first time when I was 18. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's appropriate for the show, but um, <laughs> we had to get up. We were climbing the highest mountain in Bosnia, Mount mm-hmm. Maglic, I think it was called. Um, and we had to get up this logging track uh, up to the bottom of the climb. And we had to get a logging. The, the, the only traffic on the road was logging trucks. So we got yeah. in the cab with one guy and, you know, a few minutes go by and then he starts like fondling me, I guess. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wow, um, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, it was pretty, really, really creepy. I guess maybe they get lonely up there. So but we were quite that? scared. We were quite scared. So the pal I was with, Chris, um, Chris Allen, he, uh, he, st- he started getting his knife out. <laughs> and oh, wow. um, the driver caught the knife in the glass, the reflection of the windscreen, and then he stopped. So mm. that, was, that was my only bad experience. Everything else has been good. Um, I'd highly recommend it to anyone. Um, just, just go with another person, I'd say. That's yeah. my only have, piece of advice. Have you ever had, other than that incident, have you ever had like someone come up that you felt might be you know, sort of strange as well and you just turned down the ride? Or No, I never turned down yeah. a ride. Um, <laughs> Don't do it. No. Gotta take it. I'd, well, we had one guy, a lot of them speed. So uh, um, that's that's the scariest part, huh? Their yeah, so when I was hitchhiking last year, there was a guy. We got caught by Belgian police driving through Belgium at 120 miles an hour. Oh wow! So uh, that was so scary. <laughs> oh my god, that's fast. That was, that was really scary. Yeah. So I remember you maybe tell. I don't know if this is the same story that you were just talking about, but there was. Uh, I remember you mentioning a story of uh, not wanting to walk off the roads because there were still some mines. Yeah, I mean, I mean that this came back like to Bosnia war-torn again. area not too long before. Yeah, that was Bosnia. So um, you're not meant to go off the the designated tracks and roads and stuff because there's still a huge risk of landmines there. So it was, it was a bit of a risk um, doing the hitchhiking, but we made sure we stick to the roads and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, is it marked? I mean, are there signs that kind yeah, of let yeah. you know, or is it you know just kind of implied that you don't want to go off the road? Well, yeah, some of them are marked. Um, I mean, off the trails, you'll see like X's where they, people know that there are landmines there and stuff. Wow. But we never, we never went off the tracks. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was okay. <laughs> Don't do it. We've been told by the locals not to, not to go off the beaten track. But other than that, it was, it was beautiful land. You had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Hitchhiked through the mountains. One night we, um, one night we didn't find a place to sleep. So we sort of, we were on these sort of mountainous roads on the outside of a hairpin bend and um just decided to camp up because you know we d- to be fair we didn't have any food or water or anything so we were kind of a bit screwed anyway um <laughs> i didn't i brought a tent with me but it was a f- it wasn't a freestanding tent so uh-huh. uh the pegs wouldn't go into the ground which were which were rock which was rock so i so i had this tent but it was completely useless so i just sort of put it on like a sleeping bag and my friend chris he didn't have anything he just sort of lay on his <laughs> backpack out in the middle of nowhere quite high up um, and all we could hear was these wolves and wild dogs just running around in the valley. Oh, that's creepy. 
And then I woke up one point in the night and the moon was out and you could just see that the reflections of some eyes in the distance. It was it was pretty oh, freaky. Wow. Just staring um, you guys down. Yeah, like, just staring. Hmm, I just didn't know what him. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I didn't I didn't really know this guy. I'd only known this guy for two days, so I didn't know no I don't know. It was it was scary. <laughs> but, um, but overall, it was a it was a really good experience. What do you think you learned overall, from from that first big trip? From the first, oh, I learned so much. You know, just independence and um, I don't know, doing things for yourself and exploring, meeting new people was the was the big thing because I hadn't met all these. Like, I, I was meeting people from Australia. There's loads of Aussies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know local bosnians local croats and just people from all over the world and it's just good to have a a different perspective on on things you know when you talk politics you talk different you know things you're not not just seeing the uh, agenda of the local news in your own country exactly exactly (laughs) and it's it's nice to know how other people live as well yeah that's that's one thing that i noticed and i think i talked about this a little before in one of the other episodes was just uh how much how much easier it is to meet people while you're traveling on the road and yeah even like like i never really met anyone that's done a tour or anything like that before i went on that bicycle tour and started running into people from all over the world like you and and russ i probably met like hundreds on that bike tour it's crazy and (laughs) and you're like there are other people that do this (laughs) yeah i'm not alone i'm not crazy person (laughs) that's awesome so so you did this hitchhiking tour and then you started started school at oxford yeah i started at oxford doing chemistry um and then other great thing about here is that is that we are only in school for six months of the year so we get a mega we get a mega long like three and a half four months summer so i'm always like throughout the my time here i've always been planning things for the summer and planning things for the easter break and you know been able to do a lot of a lot of cool things so like this summer i did the bike tour last summer what did i do went to the Baltics and did a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I cycled back from Italy to England. Um, I've been to Morocco climbing, um, skiing, lots of different things. Yeah. Do you feel like it's just easier to get around there being in Europe and there's just so many different yeah. countries nearby? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like a couple hours to get to France on the plane. It's like even Morocco is only three hours, which is and there's just so much there. Morocco is one of my favorite places. I've been there twice now. Yeah, talk really about that cool. trip a little bit. That was like climbing uh, yeah. was the main reason. You went yeah, there. yeah. So, um, yeah, so climbing in Morocco. Yeah, so there's um, part of the club here. There's there's a guy that's developing the climbing areas out there, and he's writing a guidebook and stuff. So he sent out an email to everyone saying, you know, oh, we're doing this. We're having a little expedition out to Morocco to do some new routes and blah blah blah. Um, does who wants to come? So I sent an email. You know, I was, yeah, I'll go. I got a couple of my friends to go. One was Matt, who I'd done the cycling this summer with. Um, and we all went out to Morocco and went down to a place called Tafraut, where we had a our little base. We stayed there for a few days, mm-hmm. and um, it's really cool because um, just like you know, exploring the local markets and the, meeting the local hotel owners and just all these cultural things that you wouldn't normally get when you go on a climbing trip yeah but it, ma- it made it so much more so much more interesting um so we stayed there for um, i think five days and then we went to todra gorge which is another really cool place i've never seen anywhere quite like it it's like this 200 meter high gorge oh, by wow. about 20 meters wide uh-huh. and there's a little stream at the bottom 
and a road that goes through the bottom and you just climb the walls um on either side there's so many routes it's a really really cool place that's pretty neat it's mostly desert there too right yeah it's really really dry um it's basically no no crops to speak of Um, uh really cool place though it's quite hot especially for climbing because you get very sweaty when you climb yeah which I, I noticed you did a little video on that trip too, right? This was before the cycling. Yeah, that was tour. before I was any good at film. I wasn't very good at filmmaking. Then I just basically put a bunch of clips together yeah. with some music. Like, I'm just going to shoot but, some uh, stuff. It came out cool, though. It's a nice little memory of, of what you guys did. Yeah. I did notice you had some jackets on, though. Was that just the higher altitude or? That was, oh, it was cold at night. Okay. It was cold at night. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know what the, what the climate's like in England in terms of... Uh, the the shootings that just happened recently in Paris, but I feel like at least uh, in the U.S. there's a lot of like Muslim anti-Muslim sentiment and fear mm. of Muslims. And Morocco is pretty much all Muslim, right? It's yeah, it's a mos- it's a Muslim-dominated country. Yeah. But it's, I've never been anywhere where I felt so welcomed, and the people were just so hospitable. Oh, there was I'll tell you the story. So when we were climbing one day. We were up at this up at high in the mountains somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were going up to do some sort of new routes that hadn't really been explored that much. Uh, there was about seven of us, and uh, so we were climbing and climbing. My friend had just I was belaying him. My friend had just taken a big fall and tumbled, um, and sort of it wasn't it wasn't that injured, but he was a bit shaken up. Yeah. Um, and then it started to rain and it started to get really cold, um, and so we decided to call it quits and head back down to the car. And, you know go home and whatever and we got down we were all soaked and freezing and just <laughs> wanted a really warm place and you know shower and all that sort of stuff and the cars were parked near this sort of local farm i, d- I think they were like a, a berber family um and they came out and they saw us shivering and freezing and they just said come in come in couscous now uh-huh. <laughs> and they just basically ordered us into the house um the house was extremely rudimentary it didn't have any central heating or anything it just had a fire and a table and some sort of chairs around it and they sat us down and they were just obviously about to have their family meal Uh and they just bring out this massive dish of couscous and just order us to tuck in and eat and you know there was no question about it they were so welcoming and the nicest people and the thing is they didn't even speak English and they didn't speak French because French is the second language there yeah so and a few of us spoke French so we couldn't understand what they were saying, but you know, sometimes these gestures don't need language, and you know, they just. Oh, that sounds like an awesome experience. It was, it was, it was just so nice. People, it was great. Yeah, I think um, that's one yeah, of the. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, coming back to what you were saying about Muslim people mm-hmm. and these attacks in Paris, I think it's just really horrible how Muslims have been generalized and stereotyped and grouped together with extremists because yeah. it's just so not what most of them are like. Yeah, most of the people in the world, once you get out there, you find out are just people, and you know, exactly, just, they have their families, and you know, they're just trying to do the best they can out there. Yeah. So exactly, just like us. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a good thing, even if you're not going to do anything as crazy as cycle across the country just to get out there a little bit and you know, explore the world, meet some people, yeah, meet other people. Just, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can empathize with their point of view. Yeah. If you've met them, if you've been to different places. So throughout these, uh, you, you ex- express that your parents didn't want you to do any of this stuff until, you know, you turned 18. But do they still give you um, some guff when you're telling them about your next adventure? <laughs> like, uh, uh, maybe you should think twice about this. Or... A little bit, a little bit. 
they didn't like well initially they didn't like me cycling but now they're okay with it yeah uh the climbing my mom's still not too happy about my dad's kind of you know okay with yeah but um i don't know i try and get them on board with these things and then you know try and minimize the risk and make it seem like it's worth it i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> well because uh, i remember when we uh we met up in i think it was south of big sur like san simeon one of those yeah. state parks yeah, yeah it was so we met up and we basically rode for maybe like a day together and then we kind of all split up and went different ways and yeah. then we uh we planned to reconvene down in san diego yeah so we all met up there and uh we kind of all decided that we were probably going to go to mexico but we didn't we didn't have the i think you were more for sure about it i was kind of like yeah originally i was just going to go to la and i'm going to go to san diego maybe i'll just cross the border yeah, and then the the closer we got, you know, once we met up again, I was like, "All right, let's do it." But uh, I think, I think even with Mexico, you you said your family had a lot of resistance. Yeah, you, you told like, everyone. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't even emails. tell mine. So <laughs> that might have been a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> Although they wouldn't have been happy when I, you know, have the Mexico pictures on my Facebook that they see. Yeah, well, you you post those after you get back. That's. But I told them. I, I told them I was going with these these old guys, so it was all good. <laughs> these old guys. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Damn well, it. you and the other guy. Yeah, yeah, Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a really neat experience just going into Mexico because you know I lived a few hours away from it for exactly, two yeah. years, and you hadn't been before, had you? No, no, that was my first time. It's pretty close, and everyone down there was really nice. It was it was yeah. funny when we were getting ready to go. I would ask people in San Diego, I'd be like, huh, "What do you think about going to Mexico? What, is it safe? You know, have you been down there?" And it seemed like everyone that hadn't gone said don't go, you're going to get your head cut off. It's a terrible yeah. idea. And everyone that I talked to that did go there was like, oh, everyone's nice. It was a great experience. I've gone several times and do it for sure. So it was yeah, just kind of funny fear of to see. Yeah, exactly. It's funny to see that separation in opinions. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, it was a really good experience though. And when we got down there, it was so chill and so relaxed. I mean, I don't know, we, we joined in on this bike ride, didn't we? Yeah, we we just totally just lucked insane. out, and there happened to be a bicycle ride from Rosarito to Ensenada that yeah. they do every year, and I think this was maybe the 13th annual, something like that. No, 30th. 30th, yeah, you're right. Something it was like that, 30 yeah. years, wow, it was crazy. So we just lucked out, and they closed down this whole stretch of road and this new toll road that wasn't even finished yet that we got to ride on. And Yeah, they closed down the whole freeway, basically. Yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like the Big Sur of, of Mexico. It was. It, it was very similar to Big Sur, these like desert mountains coming down to blue ocean. Crashing down into the ocean. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, that was neat. That was definitely a good experience. We got some good food down there, too, some authentic Mexican. Uh, we, yeah, we even uh, liked it so much that we went there twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our, uh, the guy at our hostel recommended us this one place, and... It was good food, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think you should uh, generalize places or have perceptions about them until you actually, you know, get off your butt and go there. Because I think it just, I don't know, creates fear. And I think it's just better to go out there and do it. And, you know, so what if something bad happens? You can usually deal with it or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I think. The worst case scenario normally doesn't happen, and like you said, you can usually figure out how to how to get back on track yeah. if, if something minor happens. And the thing is, most people are good. Most people are really nice. Yeah. And it's just such a small minority. It's less than a percent. Yeah, when things uh, go wrong, you can normally find someone that's going to help you. So. Yeah. I know. I just believe in the good of people in general. And yeah. that seems to... Maybe I'm just lucky. I don't know. Maybe my luck will run out one day. <laughs> 
Have you have you had any fear personally in terms of like planning planning one of these trips and like a little bit of apprehension maybe leading up That's to it thing. or anxiety or are you kind of just gung ho and doesn't bother you? Up till now, yeah, no, I've just been plan it, sort out because usually I get so work, like engrossed in all like the planning of the stuff and sorting everything out that I don't have time to think about oh you know what could go wrong. Yeah, uh, it's usually my parents that are saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I I don't really have any apprehensions about these sorts of things you know if, if you can do it you can do it if you fail it doesn't matter come back home and but you'll you'll be you'll have the satisfaction of having tried it that's yeah. that's how i see it what's what's your process in terms of coming up with uh new adventure ideas and and planning them <laughs> and making them happen new adventure ideas um for me i guess i look at, i look at maps a lot mm-hmm. that helps um if you if i see a place that looks interesting or I haven't been before I'll think oh maybe I'll go there you know I, I it's it's completely arbitrary I got I guess I got into cycle touring because being a student it was kind of a cheap way to travel and you kind of get fit in the process and you meet people really easily and you don't really care about camping or sleeping rough when you're younger I don't know yeah. so that's why I was doing bike touring and climbing was really cool because you know it's just something that appeals to me I guess yeah, it got, it got me over my fear of heights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you get ready for these trips? It seems like a a logistical nightmare sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Stuff. Um, I don't know. I tend to plan them quite far in advance because I just I like planning stuff. Um, the, be- the, the easiest thing is just like if you want to go on a trip, book some flights or book a ticket somewhere and the rest will come. Yeah. You know. So give yourself like a, a deadline, basically. Like yeah, give is, yourself. This a is deadline. what I'm leaving. I got to get ready by then, and then. If you've got a if you've got a several hundred dollar plane ticket booked, you're not going to just miss out on that. You're going <laughs> to yeah. do something with it. So that's what I tend to do, um, and it usually gets me motivated and you know getting ready to go, and then somehow the funding comes in from somewhere. I'll work or I'll yeah. find money, other savings, or I'll do something to get the money. But it's having that initial idea that's the important thing, and taking the first step. I think is the biggest. Yeah. obstacle for a lot of people when they're planning adventures um and once you've taken that first step then the rest will follow really easy you'll find stuff online of how to plan stuff you know mm-hmm. it's pretty easy yeah i feel i feel like having that deadline or like like you said buying a ticket um really helps because at some point you just got to leave and do it i mean you there's exactly. there's never going to be a point where you have everything every contingency covered and everything planned perfectly that's kind of the fun of going on an adventure like this is just that's the, the unknown and, and figuring it out as you go. That's how you grow. And yeah. And that's what you did with your uh, Canada to Mexico trip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you hadn't really trained for it or anything. No, it was like two months <laughs> before I was like, this is when I'm going. And I didn't even have a bicycle ready for it. So I like retrofitted this old hand-me-down bike and <laughs> just, yeah. you know, had camping gear and food and left. And <laughs> what more do you out. need? Yeah. And I, it's not like I was in the middle of a desert in the middle of nowhere. So I, I knew if something did happen, I could fall back on people or you know, give someone a call, but I didn't really have to do that too often. So yeah, yeah. you don't, you don't want to go into like the middle of uh, the Mongolian desert without any water and just be like, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah. There's certain <laughs> There's, places that you require have some common sense, but yeah, you can't just bike to the South pole without any planning. You know, you can't <laughs> yeah. just rock up with your bike. I've got a thickly knit sweatshirt. This should be, <laughs> <laughs> my mom knitted me a sweatshirt. Yeah. 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 Cool. So what do you think you're going to do next? Do you have any plans in terms of both? Let maybe talk a little bit about in terms of a next adventure and 
in terms of um, filmmaking if you're going to follow that up. So yeah, um, in terms of next adventure, um, I've also got I've got to finish my schooling. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a, a bit of a obstacle to overcome. Well, you have um, next summer, right? Challenge. Do you have anything planned for that? Uh, oh, I'm gonna try and work a bit. It sounds really boring, <laughs> but I need to. But I've, I've finally got some money. Huh? Yeah, I got to get some money so that when I do graduate, I've got some money to do whatever I want. If I want to mm -hmm. do a trip and, or whatever, but um, yeah. So we're so John, we 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 planned out a an Indonesia trip. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of a long way off at the moment, but it's kind of in the pipeline. So I don't know if you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, we can that. talk about it a little bit. I mean, we're it's pretty pretty rough idea. We kind of just started out with let's kayak somewhere really far. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it may be a bit far. So, Australia to Asia kayaking, but um, yeah, which ended up being what about four thousand miles? We figured out. Yeah, about four about four thousand. <laughs> a lot of miles. <laughs> so I think that's very ambitious considering we haven't done any kayaking yeah, before. Yeah. But the idea sounded cool, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. We may have to cut it short. Um, anyway, so that that was what we had planned. Um, I've also ha I had this idea to s set up a bike touring website, um, which the more I think about it, the more like difficult it's i think it's gonna be yeah but, um being able to plot out your routes really easily and have um one thing i really wanted one feature i really wanted to have on it was to be able to know how big the the shoulder was mm -hmm. i think that'd be a really useful feature for people for especially well bike tourists and just general cyclists to know because um there've been a few times when we were cycling and there's no shoulder and you've got massive trucks coming and it's yeah, just it's a, little, a bit hairy a if there's some roads that <laughs> If you can plan a route where it has more shoulder, mm -hmm. that would be ideal, but it's going to be very hard to, to to do that feature. Figure out the logistics of it, yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd have to be something almost crowdsource based where yeah, it just so. kind of grows with, with people's input. But it's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I used um, Google Maps a lot, and I think you, I don't know, does, is Strava just more of like a recording thing, or did you actually use that to, to find your way? I, no, I... Oh yeah, no. I, uh, Strava is really good for um, planning bike routes. So Google Maps um, can you can plan routes, but Strava allows you to um, use what other people other, other. So it has heat maps, so um, oh, okay. it'll follow popular routes that people go on, um, and then you can download the GPX file to your GPS device really easily and navigate from that. So that's kind of what I did when I was going through big cities. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'd be using a paper map. Um, but yeah, Strava's good because you can upload them and you can view your history and it'll give you a bunch of stats on how how many meters you've climbed and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which is, I mean, cool. they both give you, I think they both give you elevation too, right? Yeah. Strava gives you elevation. So it's it's kind of nice to see what your climbs are. But but yeah, the shoulder would be a nice feature. And uh, the West Coast is such an such a great route to ride, but yeah. I think there's just some roads where it's unavoidable. You're going you're gonna to have bad shoulders there. It's, uh, yeah, and even when you do have shoulders like the 101, you're riding on a freeway, yeah. which isn't <laughs> ideal. Yeah, if someone comes barreling over the line, they're they're going to be moving fast. Yeah. So. But yeah, that was an idea I had. Um, don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll see. How many more years of school do you have? So I'm in my third year, and I've got one more year, fourth year. Oh, you're getting and then I'm finished. That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> so are you yeah. going to pursue the filmmaking, do you think? Uh, I know you've uh, been yeah, well, dabbling in that. That's the thing. I really, really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. But, well, I think I, think I, liked, I like doing it as a, as a hobby. Yeah. Um, so kind of just like keep doing that and see where it takes you. 
yeah and then if i get good enough that i can you know start doing proper stuff um we'll see we'll see cool just play it play it by air i guess so do you have any advice for people that are thinking about going on some crazy adventure or doing something like this or just even traveling and maybe they're a little apprehensive about getting out there and all the things that could go wrong <laughs> yeah i i think my advice to people would be um just just plan something have a if you haven't done anything before um have, like plan something small to start with um and just you know like people are just so nice wherever you go i find um maybe it's just because i'm lucky but um everywhere i've been people have just been so generous and i just the more i travel the more i want to travel because mm -hmm. i just know that you know there'll be people there that can take you in if you need to you can you know call on people you can whatever um but i guess if you're planning your first trip then i guess that's a that's a, that's a bit of a hurdle to, to overcome but um i just say oh i don't know advice <laughs> just trust that it'll work out i guess is just know. trust that just yeah. trust that it'll, i know that's not very good advice but <laughs> just trust that it'll work out it'll all be fine don't worry about it do baby steps you don't have to do you don't have to go around baby, the world yeah baby the steps first, time. first. Baby steps. And right. there's even, like, you guys have kind of a cool program there at Oxford. Uh, talk about that, what's it called, jailbreak? Something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a thing called jailbreak, which is which doesn't involve breaking out of jail, but uh, <laughs> it involves escaping Oxford. Um, and the idea is that, uh, is basically the thing is, how far can you go in 36 hours without spending any money? So it's as if you've broken out of jail from Oxford. Anyway, we did it last year. I did it with a friend of mine last year and we it was very cold it was february and it Ooh. was definitely oh, it was like free, it was freezing anyway um and we managed to get to sweden with no money and that was purely based on the generosity of british people and it really like renewed my faith in people in general and how kind people are if you because we were doing it for charity so it's uh -huh. like a big charity fundraiser event so they were, people would just go out of our way. Some guy drove us 50 miles down to Dover to get catch a ferry. Um, oh, that's awesome. Just so he would get us further along so we would win or so, you know, just to help us out. Um, now, how would you get on like a money. ferry? I feel like f like a ferry ride's a little bit bigger than just jumping in someone's car. Yeah, so we, we went to a gas station um, just outside the port and for three hours in the rain, cold and dark, we went up to every single car that arrived at the gas station and literally asked them, are you going to get the ferry? Are you going to Europe? Whatever. Um, and eventually after three hours, we found this guy who was a, um, in the army, in the British army, but he was working in Germany. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh yeah, why not? Come on, let's get in the, get in the car. <laughs> get in the car. Anyway, so he, um, he took us in and we got on the ferry and he drove us all the way to the middle of Germany from England. Um, and wow. that's where we got pulled over for speeding because he was <laughs> he was the he speeder. Was so, huh? Yeah, he was desperate to get back to his girlfriend or whatever it was at his base. I don't know. Um, <laughs> was he on the autobahn? So I mean, it wasn't. It yeah, yeah. was it? Or just... <laughs> uh, well, in Belgium it was. Uh, okay, but yeah, he pulled the uh, he pulled the classic army card, and the Belgian police went away. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the, the thing was that because he had gone so fast, and we that meant we got to this random place in Germany at two in the morning, uh -huh. and we didn't expect to get there till like five maybe. Um, so we were at like a service center in the freezing cold. It was, um, 
it was so cold and it was windy and it was dark and I didn't uh, speak any German and it was impossible trying to find a ride and the service station wasn't open so we had to sit outside all night oh. shivering and freezing in the cold shivering there. and freezing <laughs> but luckily then the next day we got a we got a ride to Sweden and it was pretty good we um we didn't we didn't we, we didn't win but uh we got pretty far yeah, you this said year, someone got all the way to Japan oh yeah time, someone <laughs> someone uh, tweeted Richard Branson and got him to give them free return flights to Tokyo from London. Of course. You should have tweeted Richard. Oh, I know. Sir I know. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a bit ridiculous. But they just they just stayed in the airport for two hours and flew back. That's funny. Um, yeah, yeah, how this did, year how did you guys get, get to... back? Sorry to interrupt you again. How did you get oh, yeah. back after that? Oh, we just, uh, we just flew back. Flew back. Okay. It was like $80 or something. That's not too bad. Yeah, it was fine. Cool. It was pretty good. So you said this this year coming up you got... Yeah, yeah. So Double. in two weeks' time, we're doing it again, um, and we're, we're gonna try and get to Morocco this time. But oh, nice! I somehow doubt it, but well, we'll, t- we'll try. We'll try. You never know. We may have to come up with a different. That sounds like a really fun program. I don't know how many schools do things like that, but yeah, is loads it, of schools. Is in it like the UK a, do it. a student-run type thing, or is it actually like a sponsored by the school? No, it's a, it's run by the student union. Okay. Um, and it's like a charity fundraiser thing. Loads of schools do it. Yeah. See, awesome. in the U.S., they'd be like, "Well, it's illegal to hitchhike, so we probably shouldn't promote it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know if it's illegal here. It's, I think it's a bit of a gray area. Yeah. But anyway, it's pretty cool. good fun though. So, uh, do you have any adventure or filmmaker like uh, influences or people that you look up to? Like yeah, you? I do. Um, my biggest like adventure uh, influence is probably Alistair Humphreys, who's a guy. I told you, I, I read his books when I was sort of 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And he started out, he set off to cycle around the world in 2001. And an interesting part of his book is, so he, sits, he sets off from Yorkshire in England. And an interesting part of his book is when he gets to Istanbul and 9-11 happens. Oh, and wow. he's just about to go through the whole of the Arab world. He's about to go through Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, no, mm-hmm. Iran, all these places. And he has to come to terms with does he risk his life because obviously it's very risky for a white person to go through those countries at yeah. that time yeah so does he risk it or does he turn around he eventually decides to go via cairo and go down to africa and that's the start of his round the world trip but um he's really really inspired me to do loads of different things i met him once i saw his talk in bristol one time oh, wow. and um he was really really cool he's really funny actually <laughs> but uh I've read his books like three or four times. He's How many books cool. does he have? Uh, he's got two books um, on his round the world cycle. Um, Mood of, Moods of Future Joys and Thunder and Sunshine. Those are the two. Um, but apart from that, filmmaker wise, I don't know, John Jerko. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I, I, haven't, I haven't been... I've only gotten into film recently. Do you have so. any favorite documentaries or adventure type films that? that oh, you've I really watched? enjoyed Virunga. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it. I just watched it recently. You, you did you recommended it? Yeah, that was really yeah. Good. That was really good. Good movie. Um, especially like being a chemist and having a lot of graduates go into oil, it sort of made me think about. Yeah, it gives you some perspective do. on what happens with the yeah, oil exactly. companies taking advantage of other countries' mm. resources. It's kind yeah, of yeah, and is it freaky. is it worth it? Yeah. yeah. That was a really good, good one. documentary film. I'm trying to think of another. Oh, there was another one called Road to Caracol, Road from Caracol, by this guy Dempster, Kyle Dempster, who's like an American climber. Anyway, he goes to Kyrgyzstan, 
and all he's got is he says in the intro he's like no partner just a go just a camera and he's got his gopro and he literally films himself going into kurdistan on his own oh wow um on his bike he's got a massive trailer full of climbing gear <laughs> and, he, and he goes and solos all these like massive peaks and uh he has to cross rivers there's literally no one there he has to encounter um you know courage um guards that drink vodka all day oh it's, is this the one that's on it's on vimeo right it's on vimeo like, so yeah road, i have seen this Caracol. this is it's a pretty cool video it's really cool i, I, I remember was. there's a part where he's crossing the river and he's he's kind of like saying his goodbyes to his yeah, family he's, saying he's his not goodbyes. sure he's gonna make it but uh I, I was i was interested well I, I was surprised they put that in the film yeah but, uh it's quite powerful that was good it's good definitely film. worth checking out so uh where can people find you so you can find me Liam. at liamgarrison.com or Twitter uh, Liam, at Liam Garrison. That's where you can find me. Cool. Yeah, and you've got your links to Vimeo and everything through your website. Yeah, I do. All right. Well, it was good talking, Liam. It was, yeah, it was really great, great catching up. And um, thanks for sharing your perspective on adventure. Thanks, John. All right. You can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram. And find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes to subscribe and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. So thank you for listening, and until next time, follow your true north. Follow your true north.